Hello, and welcome to Moving Minnesota Forward. I am your host, Angel Livis, and this show is all about how we can move Minnesota forward, educating voters on the issues relevant to the Black women and men in Minnesota. Sponsored by John S. and James L. Knight Foundation and produced by Visibility Matters. Today, we wrap up the Minnesota Moving Forward conversation that took place on Juneteenth and was hosted by Leverett Week's own President Meredith Moore. In previous conversations, speaker Shantara Hardy set the record straight with how systematic racism has been etched into the culture of American history. Then Nika Constantino blessed us with the economics, what we should be doing as a people to circulate Black dollars within Black communities. And today, we're bringing it all together with a representative from the John W. and John L. Knight Foundation, the very organization that makes this amazing broadcast possible as a sponsor. Jai Winston shares information around philanthropy and the responsibility of philanthropic organizations to support the initiatives of Black causes that matter. Take a listen. Jai Winston. Jai is the St. Paul director for Knight Foundation. He's a trustee of Hamlin University. He served as associate strategy and corporate development for aerial investments and served on the presidential inaugural committee. He's the past deputy of the North Carolina finance director for the Democratic National Convention and a fellow graduate of Howard University. First of all, Jai, thank you for being our male panelist. Last time, Marcus had the pleasure of being the only one. But I want to, because of that, ask you um, another question before we get into it, which is just in your experience, how has it been advocating for others while going through this experience as an individual? Yeah, I think, um, one, just thank you for the opportunity. And before we get started, I just wanted to kind of shout out, I appreciate, you know, having the opportunity to go after Nika and also Shantara because they've dropped some really valuable pearls that I think it's really important to weave through the thread of my conversation because I think, you know, philanthropy does play a role in being able to support leaders, but it's also a cross-sector collaborative effort. And so I think there's an opportunity for everybody in their own individual capacity, regardless of whether you work in financial services, policy, et cetera, to develop that upcoming, you know, group of leaders that are on the horizon. But in terms of personally, I think it, I think people don't realize or that idea of cognitive dissonance where, you know, not only am I doing my work leading, you know, the work of our foundation here locally, but then I'm also dealing with the stressors and challenges of being an African-American male. And those are the things that I have to contend with and deal with. And, you know, quite frankly, when this all began unfolding, um, some of you who are fortunate to know my colleague Fong has been just exceptional, just constantly checking in on me, reaching out to me and ultimately getting me up to leave my house and participate in some of the protesting. But I think, you know, not only am I balancing the, the fact of doing my job and helping to edit a statement that we're going to release locally and craft in our newsletter to respond to what's happening in community. But then I also have to bear the burden of being a black male in Minnesota and also still go to the grocery store, live in downtown St. Paul, walk around and, and work through those challenges of feeling uncomfortable and unsafe, but also at the same time uh, being a beacon of hope within my role for individuals who look to me for comfort. Thank you for that. I think it's so important because in all of this, when we talk about being a leader, we can lose sight of the fact that, you know, I like to use the chance, the rapper quote, the people's chant must be everything the people can't be. And so you're having to overcome these things that really can hold other people back. So will you do us the service? I know Shantara and I started out by saying thank you because you've supported us in our endeavors to be able to convene the community, to be able to uplift the community. But for those who are not yet familiar with 
what night does. Can you tell us about what night does and then your thoughts on the role that philanthropy can play in helping to rebuild the Minneapolis St. Paul community? Yeah, so first I kind of started off with, you know, Knight is a national foundation. Our founders, Jonathan and James L. Knight, were, owned the largest newspaper company in the 20th century. And with that, their firm belief was if you had an informed citizenry, they'll be able to make decisions that are in their own true interest. And in order to do so, they need access to quality information. So newspapers have really influenced the way that we think about our strategy and the way that we do our work. So we still support journalism at the national level. But within that, they were firm believers of also reinvesting into the communities that allowed them to be successful in the first place. So with that, we invest in 26 cities throughout the United States where they owned a newspaper at the time of their death. And as a result, we still continue that work now where we have out of the 26, eight cities where we have a resident director who lives in that community in real time. And part of that intentionality is to be able to allow us to know what's happening in the community. I think it's really hard if I lived in New York and I flew to Minnesota once a quarter and tried to do some grant making, particularly I think just as what we've seen in the last couple of weeks unfolding, you know, it has allowed me to really be thoughtful about what our strategy is and areas that I maybe need to shift so we're not toned up and we're able to be responsive to what's happening in the community. And I think that'd be really hard if I was not living in this community because it's hard to get the mood of what's happening when you're not there in real time. But when we think about, I think the role that philanthropy plays, and I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna address that, but I wanna kind of take a few steps back because I think um, things that Chantara said and Nika said were really important. And I wanna kind of wrap that in because I'm gonna give a little bit more of a personal reflection and so taking it back when I used to work at my investment firm, I think when we talk about leaders in general, you know, inherently most people of color have not had the fortunate opportunity to have an uncle, cousin, brother who's an attorney or, you know, a, a Fortune 500 executive working in the C-suite. And so there is that disconnect when we're growing up, limiting, you know, our possibilities of where we see ourselves being. And so I've been very fortunate along my, you know, professional career to have so many individuals that have informally served as mentors that helped me see, you know, that, I can go and go down different paths and I don't have to limit myself to what I initially thought was, you know, either being a doctor or an attorney and realizing that philanthropy is its whole other world to be able to have the type of impact that I want to have and also still be able to be comfortable, you know, I have a comfortable lifestyle. And so, you know, going and working at my old investment firm, one of the things that uh, my CEO always did was he was very intentional about bringing me along to all the meetings and, you know, I know that we met when we were in college, but then we had overlap when we were at McDonald's. And one of the things that he always did was I went with him annually to the, uh, the annual shareholders meeting of McDonald's. And then after he would give me an opportunity to meet and talk with some of the executives. And all that was just helping me to understand the different roles that people play within corporate America and also how to move the needle effectively if we're trying to get change and be intentional about having corporations, you know, be focused on their diversity and inclusion initiatives and also thinking through the strategic ways of how you do that and move the needle forward. And so from there, that really kind of opened up my mind from, you know, to this corporate governance role, because I think going to, you know, Nika's aspect of, you know, the real wealth building tool in the 21st century is actually the professional services there. So that's accounting, that's money management, that's legal services, et cetera. And a lot of these Fortune 500 companies in the Twin Cities, you know, have the opportunity to not only hire people of color within their executive ranks, but also contract and work with these companies in the professional services space. And so when you talk about, again, the wealth building tool, you know, money management, I think about night and philanthropy in that aspect, you know, one third of our, man, uh, our endowment is managed by a minority owned money management firm. And what does that do for them that allows them to be able to build the capacity 
So then that leader, the president of that firm has the ability to do more stuff and participate in other things while bringing up other members of the firm to be developed. And so I think similarly in philanthropy and other organizations, you know, being intentional about how we decide to move forward and be inclusive. So I think one aspect in terms of the um, leadership development comes from the exposure piece, exposing individuals to all the different areas. And I think even from the policy standpoint that I, you know, Shantara brought up, you know, my old firm and also Knight Foundation has been heavily invested in this is at the federal level, you know, we have all these Fortune 500 companies who, you know, their products and services are, the majority of them are utilized by people of color and yet we're not reflected in the board governance ranks. And so I think the federal government does have the opportunity to put that pressure and, you know, pass legislation that forces them to not only include people of color owned firms in the professional service area, but also in the governance structure of these companies. And so I think, you know, from the policy piece and also the financial services aspect, those are two ways around the leadership development because it's not that I just woke up or I had the fortunate opportunity to get this wonderful education, which I did, um, but I didn't learn those things in college. I learned those yeah. things being able to shadow leaders who are teaching me and being a repetitive process, the more I got an opportunity to you know, go with them to a board meeting or sit with them and debrief and go through notes and give them their follow-up and action items and do the research on how to get this implemented. It helped inform me and helped me understand there's other levers that need to be pulled that mm -hmm. far too often people of color are not exposed to and don't understand. But I think within the realm of philanthropy, particularly around developing leaders, I would say I'm going to distill it down to about five different things that I think organizations can do. And it's not just philanthropy, but I think this is one of the things that I think about a lot in philanthropy. So one is, I think, you know, just increasing the funding for leadership development. So some of the things that we've done at night is we've been able to send some cohorts of our grantees to go to Miami, to go to Philadelphia, to go to some of our other night cities, but also go to conferences and then not only be prescriptive around things that we think they should be attending, but allowing them the space to bring us things and ideas where they would really love to participate, but they don't have the, the financial resources or they don't have the network in order to be able to get in. And so that's something that we're able to step up and help them. The second thing I think is, what we call like integrative leadership development with program strategy. So being able to design what the strategy is of the program and identify who are the different leaders and what skill sets do they have to be able to drive that work. The third thing I would say is uh, engage with grantees as true partners. And so I know traditionally in philanthropy, there is this um, hierarchical power structure dynamic that doesn't allow people to show up and be their full selves. And that's one of the things I always tell people is, you know, this is my job. I'm getting paid to sit down and have these conversations with individuals. And so when people thank me so much for sitting down and, you know, talking with them, they shouldn't because this is what I'm getting paid to do. And that's why I'm here. And so I think really changing the, the culture of philanthropy of making people feel welcomed and being intentional about that because we're here to support them. Um, the fourth thing I would say is using a culturally inclusive lens. And I think just by nature being an African-American male and my experiences in this country, uh, that's something that I have. But I think that's something also that organizations have an ability to work on, making sure that they're using that muscle. And if they don't have that muscle, then helping the organizations find the resources to be able to develop that. And then lastly, I'll say, you know, building capacity that supports leadership development. Far too often, particularly in communities of color, when they have small businesses and going to some of what Nico was talking about, you know, them, I think roughly the average is she was saying, I think four to five employees. Realistically, you know, when it comes to accounting, when it comes to, you know, uh, marketing, when it comes to legal, et cetera, a small portion organ person organization does not have the bandwidth to be able to do that. And in order for them to do that, they need the resources to be able to grow to hire more staff. So philanthropy has the ability and the opportunity 
to provide those grants to not only go towards a specific program, but go towards general operating. I think if there is the intentionality around wanting them to be able to be successful and scale their businesses, we also have to provide them the entire wraparound resources in order to do so. And then I think about it from an internal and external you know, perspective. I've been very fortunate to have leadership within my organization and one in particular CEO who I think has really invested in me and helped one, not only show me the ropes, but when I moved here to the Twin Cities, you know, took it upon himself to send a note to a couple of executives that he had sat on the board with. I remember when he was coming into town and he used to be on the board of PepsiCo with Brian Cornell, who's the CEO of Target. You know, he sent Brian a note and said, I'm bringing my colleague along, Jai Winston, who I want to participate in this meeting. And I think that's the type of intentionality that individuals have the ability to do regardless of your race. And as I take it upon myself in terms of being African-American male, I know that is also one of my responsibilities that I have in order when I'm meeting these grantees, you know, not only opening the door, but also going with them to the meetings. Again, going back to the power dynamic, realizing the platform that I have and how to use that to not only better myself, but also better the grantees that I'm working with so they can be successful long-term. Again, the cross-sector collaborative approach piece, I think internally we are very fortunate to have a very robust, you know, national and even I'd say global network. And so, you know, when we make a phone call or we write an email, people are very receptive to it. And so how are we leveraging that for the grantees and the individuals and the partner organizations that we work with? And then I think on the external aspect, you know, again, highlighting night, and it might be biased because I work for them, but I, I genuinely chose to come tonight prior to, you know, joining them because of the work that they did with Aerial Investments, though, a minority-owned money management firm in Chicago, and that intentionality to say, oh my God, we realize that we have an opportunity to work more closely with minority-owned firms in the money management space, and that's something we haven't done, and so we have this commitment. And so I think externally, you know, philanthropy has the ability and the opportunity to collaborate with, you know, not just organizations in the commodity space and janitorial and food and beverage, but also intentionally go and seek out you know, minority-owned organizations in the professional services space. And then the last piece I'll say, which I think just underscoring again is intentionality. And I think, you know, part of that intentionality requires you to be unapologetic in the work that you're doing and unwavering as, you know, Nineke, I mean, Nika, you know, put it, but I think, you know, that is an uncomfortable space that many people have not yet had to contend with. But I think with just everything that we've seen unfolding is it's an opportunity to rise to the moment and stretch in ways that we are traditionally not comfortable with, but in terms of the benefit of moving the needle forward. And so I think wanting to, you know, blend in the policy and the financial services piece, you know, I think from a policy perspective, as Chantal was saying, you know, people don't really, like it's again, giving, I'll use her, you know, example of giving the, you know, grocery list to local city government and then coming back next year to see if all the items are purchased. And I will also say a part of it also is incumbent upon us to say, a lot of times people, haven't been exposed to how to participate in the process. So in addition to also encouraging the show up, also showing them the ropes on how to begin moving and you know, creating this incremental change. And similarly, when you think about financial services also, you know, understanding corporate board governance was something that I did not even know until you know, having the experience in working at a minority-owned investment firm where the two you know, senior leaders of the firm sit on collectively six Fortune 500 company boards. And so them giving us that exposure to say, okay, not only are we pushing, you know, X organization to be more inclusive, but this is how we're doing it. We're also doing it this way strategically by joining the governance committee, you know, so we're going to have input on who our next elected slate of board directors are. Succession planning, who are the individuals that are becoming, that will be coming after us? Do they share our values? Do they share this ide ideology? Do they share this vision for the future? 
And so those are a couple of things that I think within our own respective roles, we have the ability to do. And I think when it comes to just leadership development, again, in general, for people of color and communities of color, we only know what we know. And so it is incumbent upon all of us to be intentional to say, you know, not only am I showing up in my, you know, work every day within my organization and I'm, you know, leading the good fight, but also even in my downtime when I'm feeling exhausted, you know, how am I also making sure I am reaching out? And I think that goes to the point that we opened with is this work is extremely exhausting. It's very taxing. But when I think about the individuals who've invested in me, you know, they didn't use that as an excuse to deter them from taking the extra time to bring me to the American Airlines board reception to meet, you know, the executives or bring me to the McDonald's shareholder meeting when they were exhausted and they really wanted to go home right after, but instead taking me home and debriefing with me what that was about. And so I think it's really important that we, you know, find the time regardless of how busy we all are. I love it. Oh my gosh. You said so many things in there, but the highlight for me was intentionality and that wherever you are, there is that opportunity to make that space, to make that connection, to be thoughtful, to be strategic, and to really listen to what the community needs with a heart centered on love, really. And the understanding that I think across the board, we've all said that we are coming from a place of uh, being disadvantaged, of being left out. And so the idea that whether it's policy, whether it's finance, whether it's philanthropy, there's a learning curve that we're up against. And as leaders, it is incumbent on us to help to close that gap by sharing the lessons that we've learned, by extending the resources that we have, and by helping people understand how all of these pieces fit together so that we might be the first, but as my dad says, you can't be the last. And so that you're developing people behind you who are ready, who you're going to be confident. And then, like you said, you know, not only getting these positions, but nominating the other person, advocating for the firm to come in and being realistic with them about, here's what you need to do to be ready for when the position comes. Thank you, Jai. Any, any well, closing? You said so many things. Closing thoughts? Yeah, I would just say there's this one book that was at my old firm that I just deeply love. And it's called Forget a Mentor, Find a Sponsor. And I think people understanding that a lot of us have the fortunate opportunities of having mentors within our lives that we could ask for business advice, whether we should take that promotion or not, whether we should lead that division or how to, you know, how to position ourselves in order to do so. But a sponsor is somebody who can actually make the phone call and say, I want you to put Meredith in that role and it's done. And I think really making that delineation between, you know, a mentor and a sponsor, I have been very fortunate to have so many mentors within my life. But I have also had sponsors and my sponsors have helped me get to where I am. I could truthfully say, you know, since, you know, working on the Obama campaign, I have never applied for a job since then. And it was because there were sponsors along the way who said, you know, I see you that you have the potential to be a leader and I want to invest in you. And so it's my you know, responsibility to also do the same and pay it forward to other individuals that are coming behind me. But I think that's really important because so many times we're ingrained with this idea of finding people that are mentors for us but also be intentional about who are those sponsors that can actually write that check that could actually make that phone call and make things happen. I love that. I love that. And I actually do a webinar on the difference between advisors, mentors, and sponsors, because very often in our community, we don't know what those words mean. I can't tell you how many times I've told people you need a sponsor and they're like, I don't have a drinking problem. And it's like, no, 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 not that kind of sponsor. So it is important. But again, right, that learning curve of if you've never had it, you don't know what you're missing and you end up asking the wrong person for advice. And I think Nika brought up a great example of if you're the only shop in town 
right? There's a level of competition when then you ask them, how do I crack that nut? How do I be successful? They're not going to give you the same insights as somebody who's two, three levels above you and really does see the benefit in showing you the ropes and in giving you that social currency. So thank you for dropping that. I think that's an important one. And regardless of what sector you're in or where you are in your career, a sponsor is always a valuable tool. We couldn't agree more with you, Meredith. Sponsors are a true blessing. And with that, we are closing out our Juneteenth Rewind. We hope that you found some powerful nuggets worth sharing with others in your community. As always, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. We are here to serve you. A special thank you to Knight Foundation for supporting this podcast, which is a production of Visibility Matters. To learn more about our services, please visit visibilitymatters.us. And be sure to check us out on social platforms at visibilitymatters.us. All right, that is our show for today, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, I'm Angel Livis, signing off.